Welcome to Reimagine Teaching, a podcast by teachers for teachers about all things teaching related. Um, we are back with another episode, our first episode recorded during the school year. So you have real life uh, teacher exhaustion and teacher joy today. Um, I'm here again with my friend Edith, um, an English teacher in Illinois, and we are going to talk about reimagining your first year of teaching. So welcome. Thank you again for coming. Hi. <laughs> now that you ooh, <clears throat> now that you got the name right of your podcast. <laughs> I, it took like five episodes, but now I know the name of my podcast. Yes. Um, so we start with what is something lately that's bringing you joy at work, outside of work? Mm, naps are great. <laughs> I was telling you, like, this week has been meetings upon meetings upon meetings. So yesterday... And conferences. Correct. And... So long days for me anyway. So yesterday I had to run errands and then I got home and I literally napped for like two, three hours, ate something and went back to sleep. And I didn't wake up until like one or two in the morning to go <laughs> to actual sleep sleep. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's where we're at. Naps, man. Naps. I, um, this is my second year at this building, so I have a lot of the students that I had last year again. Um, I'm doing all math support, so I get to see a lot of my students during the day because I'm in four different math classes. Um, and our freshmen this year, a lot of them I had as fifth graders when I first started in the district. So having, one of the cool things about my job is that I do get to see the kids year after year. So this year has been so fun to have some of the same kids again, and I feel like I can be myself because the kids who had me last year just know how I am, and the kids who are new, you know, if I'm being extra or whatever, because all the other kids are used to it, the new kids are like, oh, this is how we roll. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have to put on a show. And like some of the kids I don't get to see as much, but I had them last year like come and check in on me and come say hi. Yeah. Come get treats or whatever. Yeah. yeah, come get ramen. So it's been really fun just that I have that relationship with students that when we start this year it made the start of the year a lot easier and more fun to have kids and that know you, yeah. Yeah. That's always helpful. So current position. You we talked in the summer are just doing English this year. Correct. Yes. Five classes. Yeah. How is it going? Um, it's going all right. My freshmen are great. They're nice little noodles. Um, my sophomores need a kick in the butt. You know, they they think they're above this now. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Um, my, sen- my seniors kick butt just because they're seniors and they know, like, we're almost done. We need to do this to get out kind of situation. But my freshmen are pretty okay. My sophomores, man, they... The phones are a big issue with my sophomores. Oh, yeah. I already wrote my first referral, and it was for a phone. Um, My freshmen aren't into it as much, like the phones. I feel like later on, they're going to be like, yeah, okay, we can tune around kind of situation. But from the get-go, my sophomores are not interested in anything I'm doing. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, that's how my sophomores are, too. But I also have a group of sophomores that really enjoy partaking in extracurricular activities. devices before school Mm. and I have them in the morning Mm. and so they just they're either totally cannot pay attention to me or they cannot stop talking to each other (laughs) like please like go eat some chips and like put get a drink and come back yeah it's been really that group has been really rough um 
had to call security. One of those kids is suspended because oh, he smelled so bad in class. And I'm like, dude, you're not hiding it. Um, this year, I am doing all math support. So I have one study hall, one um, ESL class, and then all math the rest of the day. But I only have two co-teachers, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I work with only two teachers and hop between their classes. Um, the one teacher I worked with him last year... And last year, he was a first-year teacher. Um, so it's been fun that I get to work with him again this year now that he's more comfortable with his teaching style and the content and knows me a little bit better. Um, we, like, actually, like, can joke and be a little bit silly. And um, and I know how his class goes. And so that's been really fun. We, like, yesterday he sent a kid to me from a class I'm not in with him um, to come take a test. And I was like... Hey, just so you know, the kid pulled his phone out in the middle of the test and was talking to his grandma on the phone. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, I mean, it wasn't, he didn't compromise the test. Like, he genuinely wasn't talking Talking about about math stuff. But, like, you want to remind him that you, like, can't do that? And he just laughed and was like, what the? And I was like, I don't know, dude. (laughs) Um, But the other math teacher, I didn't work with her last year, but I requested her because... Every single kid who had her as a teacher last year loved her. And um, in the class I did co-teach last year, all of the notes and organizers I used was stuff she made. Hmm. So I knew she was doing a lot to support her students. So I'm working with her this year, and it's so much fun. Nice. She um, is just super chill. She's so respectful to the students in like a hey, I would love to go over our um, agenda for the week. Is that okay with you guys? Aw, that's cute. Like, gives them a lot of autonomy in their classroom. Um, So we have a math apps, which is, like, um, practical algebra. So we're doing stats right now. Mm. Right. Boo. But, like, I pulled up um, some stats somebody had made about the Bob Ross episodes And I emailed that to her and was like, if you need another example for class, here's kind of a fun. We were just talking about frequency tables, and here's one of Bob Ross's most used paint colors. (laughs) And I was late to class that day, and she was like, oh, I'm so glad you came. She's like, we just watched a little bit of Bob Ross. And so she, like, started class yesterday with them watching part of an episode. So they could know. So they knew what we were talking about. And then we went through the frequency table and why, you know, what was interesting about the data and all that. But, like, she's totally cool with, like going off the book and using some fun little examples. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, so that's been really fun. I'm really, really um, happy with the co-teachers I have, and I'm hoping... One of the things that's hard is when we have new teachers, sometimes they want to put the ESL teacher with the new teacher Mm. as sort of a support, Mm -hmm. but then it's hard because we don't ever get to build relationships with co-teachers because they keep moving us to whoever's the newest. Yes. Yes. So it's nice that this year I feel like, yeah, I have a really good relationship with them and and it's already been a really good partnership with both of them. So I'm really excited. So we're talking about um, what it would be like to reimagine your first year. So I wanted to start by just sharing our experiences of our first year's teaching. And I know yours was not great. And weird, because you started teaching, well, you graduated mid-year. Correct. And then I took over somebody else's class because they had a mental breakdown and couldn't teach that year, like would come in and then something would happen and would leave again. Um, 
So then I started teaching in like December, January. No, January, I think. Mm -hmm. January, February or something. Um, And I just took over the rest of that semester. But it was weird before that too because they had not had a consistent teacher up until that point. They had subs and like other people step in. So you took over the job. For the, yeah, for the second half of second semester, which was crazy. And then I started teaching, not next year, but the year after. So it's just weird all around. But even my first, like, first teaching, teaching job was not great. Like, being the head teacher of my classrooms, I was like, what the hell's happening? What was, yeah, what was hard about it? Or what was... So, so I graduated in December, taught second semester... And then I was an aide for one year, and then the next year I was, like, full-blown teacher, right? And then, so, in the same school. So when I got the job, the person in charge of that department was like, here, connect to this person, this teacher who also teaches what you will be teaching. And I was like, cool. So I talked to that person, and the only thing they shared about their curriculum was a Pinterest page. No lesson plans. Nothing. No nothing. Like assessment. Nothing. Okay. And you guys like we talked before when we talked about grading, like within a department you're supposed to be doing like the same finals and the same assessments. Correct. And it was just yeah. So I was like, what? And I was like, okay. The good thing was I was split. So I was split between two departments. So at least the other department I had known what the assessments were in the books and stuff so I knew what I was doing for that department but like the Pinterest I was like what the hell is this crap (laughs) so I was like I had no idea what I was doing like no one had shared other stuff with me so I was just like okay so then we have like three four days of teacher training before the school year starts and I was like I have nothing so then the other teacher shared with me some other stuff like I finally got access to our um uh, district, like, all of our plans are in this one folder. Yeah, your, like, curriculum documents. Yeah, so they finally shared that with me, but even that was bogus AF, because I couldn't, like, I didn't understand what I was reading. Oh, so yeah, those are, like, ours were, like, we've moved away from it now, but ours were, like, 30 pages. Yes. Really standard heavy. Yes. And then just, like, do this activity, and we were, like, what? What What is that? (laughs) Like, it was, didn't make sense, and also it was dated, like, it was years old at the point that I got it. And I was like, what the f- f- flip is this? I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so my first year, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, my only saving grace that th- was that there was um, a teacher who, like, had everything on running slides, had done th- this curriculum the year before, so she had running slides of everything she did. Mm. So she had unit one, two, three, four, like, mm. all running slides. So was like, all you got to do is, like, look, and that's what I did with that day, and, like, if you need any of the documents, like, you let me know. And I yes. Just, but, like, the Pinterest class, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just felt like I constantly did not know what I was doing in that class. And you had to make, like, making all of that stuff. Correct. Especially yes. when you when you don't know. It's one thing to be like, oh, when we did this last year, it didn't go well, let me adjust it. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know what the end goal is, because mm-hmm. you've never done this class before, it's really hard. And some classes are... Like, hopefully, we like to do backwards design, where you have the end goal in mind when you play in the beginning, but a lot of classes aren't like that, or they don't have the end final or project ready, so you're like, I literally don't know what we're working towards. (laughs) 
and it was really weird situation too because the other classes in that department were doing backwards design, but they were all working on the curriculum year by year by year. So they had done level one, and then the next year oh, level two. They hadn't gotten to your class yet. Well, because our class was so, and Air Bunny is in quotation marks like special. We didn't need to do that, but we did. Oh. They just didn't know what was happening, but it was just a hot mess. Because it was the, the Spanish for Spanish speakers class. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we don't need to do what everyone else in our department is doing. That's right. Like, no, we should. We shouldn't still be have plans. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't be that <laughs> far off from the other people teaching uh, a world language. So I was like, what? Yeah. So my first year teaching, um, I graduated. We went to the same college as we met. So I graduated though at the end of the school year. And immediately got a job in Iowa, which I had never been to Iowa before and had no idea what I was doing as far as moving. Um, So I got a job at the high school, but they only had a part-time position. But they knew they needed a full-time ESL teacher in the district. So when I started the year, I was at the high school all day, but I only had afternoon classes. So the beginning of the year, for being a first-year teacher, it was really nice. I was just helping them run assessments and doing paperwork and, um, like, stuff that would have been, re- is required of us every year at the beginning of the year, but I actually had time to do it my mm-hmm. first year and ask a lot of questions and see how the process works. Because we, um, like, I was telling you this morning, like, before September 30th, we have to have language plans for all our students ready. We have to test any new students who come in mm-hmm. um, and then make their schedules and, you know, sure see how many credits the they had transferred. Yeah. And, you know, typically we're the ones who are, like, giving them a tour and make sure they find their classes, especially at these huge high schools. Correct. And the kid doesn't speak English. And, and doesn't like, know what the hell anything is. And it's right. completely different than where they were previously. And they're like, what? Right. Where I'm like, well, this? you have to go downstairs, through the cafeteria, yes. up this and you only have staircase. Four, and you only have four minutes to get to class. Yeah. If you need to go to the bathroom, you need to go through these. Yeah. So I started the year with only half my job, but I was getting paid for the full time. And then in October, they finally... Um, had all their numbers in and knew where they needed me. So then the rest of that year, I was doing elementary in the morning and high school in the afternoon, but I don't have an elementary license. Mm. And so my license transferred from Illinois to Iowa as a K-12 license, but I never took a single class in elementary education. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, because I was only part-time, I didn't have my own space, so at the elementary, we had a huge classroom with dividers and split into thirds, and me and another ESL teacher and the gifted and talented teacher would all have small groups at the same time in one classroom. Okay. And I had kindergartners. Oh my god. In in a group of really antsy third graders. And so, like, trying to be like, shh, there's other kids learning, as right. the other kids are, like, screaming, screaming their ABCs. <laughs> um, but it was kind of cool, because at the elementary, the ESL teacher that I shared the space with was also a first-year teacher. And so, you know, we could ask you, like, we felt comfortable being like, do you know what you're doing? No. Mm-hmm. Do you? No. And kind of work on stuff together. Um, the ESL teacher, who was a veteran, who had been there, was so helpful And she was in the building all day, so I didn't have to do a lot of the, like, talking with classroom teachers and figuring out curriculum, because she had been there, and she knew, and she was like, here's, we literally just need you to teach this. Um, So it was really cool. It was fun to have, like, the split 
to kind of see what I like and, and have that experience. Um, but I also had that the high school, my team was amazing. So my second year then was the first full year. I just got to be at the high school and really felt like I got to be a full-time teacher. Um, but the team, I mean, if I had any questions, we'd all sit and chat about it and our curriculum was really well laid out. And when I was, you know, there was one unit, I was like, I don't see any lesson plans for unit eight. And I'm like, which one is that? I said about video games. And they were like, oh yeah, we skipped that one. And I said, why? And they're like, I don't know. We just like, it's a bunch of old, you know, ladies in their forties and fifties. They were like, yeah, we don't know. (laughs) Right. And I was like, well, can I do it? And they were like, yeah, of course. So we, I did that unit that year with my students and, um, brought in my computer so I had, like, a computer game running. I had a Wii game running. I had a game on the smart board. Cute. Um, and I think I actually had two PC games because my friends and I play games all the time. And so the kids, like, got to do stations and try all these games. And it was really fun to, like, I had the freedom to kind of be like, you know, usually we skip this one, but I actually know about it. Let's do it. So that was really, really cool. So I had an amazing first two years teaching. Um... And, like, felt like I had a lot of support and stuff. No. So, I'm sorry for you. It's okay. And I feel like, I don't know. So, our school does it weird, I think. And maybe other schools do, too. So, like, you have a mentor teacher, right? But That it, was going to be one of the things I was going to ask. But it might not be someone in your department or who teaches the same things you do, right? So, one of my friends, she taught world language, but her mentor was the band director. <laughs> and the band, like, I don't know if you know, but band directors... Are, never have free time they're doing everything and all like they do all the games they do afternoon practices like they're never here they also don't classroom management in a band room is is so different than regular classroom management and grading and assessments like Uh, yes that's a very different monster so so my friend never saw the band director and like every time Mm. uh she had questions she would have to ask people in the department because she didn't have access to her mentor um so that's something weird um and also I feel like we talked about this in our brown people meeting that's what I call it like if you are a person in your equity meeting sure um (laughs) sure we said like if you're a person of color coming into a school district where all of the other teachers around you are white that is a different dynamic for you as a new teacher and it would be Mm -hmm. helpful if you had a mentor who at least looked like you in some capacity, right? Or So even if your mentor is, you know, whatever, Brittany, maybe you could have a second mentor who is a BIPOC person, right? So that you don't feel as alone in a department that's all full of white people. Right. Um, and also just, like, the structure of new teachers I felt was weird. Like, we had a summer... So new teachers had summer training before all s- staff came. So we would have, like, yep. a week of training. Um, that wasn't really helpful, <laughs> in my opinion, because, like, they, like, share all the information with you to the point that you're like, what? I don't remember what anything you said. And then we have monthly mentor meetings about things that are applicable, but they're out of order. <laughs> like Yeah, like, you're talking about... Um you know, social emotional learning and building relationships with students at your January mentor meeting mm-hmm. when like that should be the first thing you do. Right. Or even like how to submit grades. 
like, I distinctly remember, like, I had a friend who was in the history department, and I needed to talk to somebody up there. So I walked into her when the first grading period, I was like, hey, girls, like, did you submit grades? Like, no, I don't know how. And I was like, what? Yeah. So, like, no, no one had taught, or, like, whatever. Like, something fell through, and she didn't know. I was like, well, do you need help? And then the person in charge of her department was like, I can help you. And I was like, why is this the first time you're saying that to her? Right. So I was like, what? So yeah, last year, or two years ago, we had a bunch of news teachers coming out of covid and the first day of school, the secretary got really mad because none of the like, new teachers had submitted attendance. Nobody had told them how. Right. Or that they had to or, what, like, literally no one had gone through the process. Like, of. And so she was, like, angrily calling classrooms. And I was with one of the new teachers. And she was like, I just got yelled at. She's like, I don't even know what she's talking about. Right. Which is not the new teacher's fault. And you yelling at them is not helpful. Right. Like, like hey, you didn't submit attendance. Let do me know you, if need you need help? help. <laughs> yes. Like, that's another thing, too. Like, I feel like, so in my situation, I had graduated from the school I was teaching at. So I yeah, knew. Yeah, you were a student there. Yeah, so I had, I knew a lot of the people there. And so a lot of the people in my district are older teachers. And I feel like even that can be, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I think they forget what you don't know. Correct. And also just like including them, right? Mm. Pardon me. So, like, if you're a new teacher, you're 20, what, two, three? Mm-hmm. And you're, the other people are not. So just, like, making them feel included, part of the team, division, whatever, school, sometimes doesn't happen. And I feel like that can also um, affect a new teacher's morale, like, Yeah, well, know. like, as a new teacher, like, you're like, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm so overwhelmed. And then when people are like, oh, just come and find me anytime you need anything. It's like, I don't remember where your room is. Mm-hmm. I, like... I need so much help that yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to ask. <laughs> like, if you could just come in and tell me. Exactly. Or check on me. Correct. Or, you know, hey, what are you working on this? Like, actually checking in. Yeah, so we have... Um, so, both the school districts I've taught in. So, in Iowa, as a new teacher, I had a mentor. Um, and my mentor, similar. We didn't have enough mentors in our department. We didn't have any mentors in our department. Yeah. But... They got it close enough, so my mentor was a Spanish teacher, um, so at least it was a language <laughs> teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Iowa, the teachers who are mentors, that is half of their job. Yeah. So they only teach half a day, and then the other half of their day, they're instructional coaches and mentors. Which is amazing, because... So she actually had time to come and chat with me on my prep, because she also didn't have a class. Yeah. And she would come... Um, and we had a, it was a two-year mentorship cycle. So my second year, I, when I was at the high school full-time, um, she, like, could come, you know, the one class that was the hardest for me as far as man- behavior management, she could come and observe and take notes and, like, actually see what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be with an amazing mentor. So I had that year, I had a bunch of freshmen who were just bonkers. And I, you know, like you said, 22 and I have all these freshmen who are driving me crazy. And I had a student who was 20 <laughs> sitting in the back of the room cussing me out. Like, all in the same room. And so, having her in there to be like, yeah, that's just a hard group. Yeah. And like... Mm-hmm. And just having someone to talk to on a regular basis, right? So that's amazing yeah. where you have someone who is dedicated and has paid by the district to do this job to make sure yeah. that you as a new teacher thrives is amazing. Which is... Yeah, that she Not has the, the time. Um, I don't remember if we had to do after school meetings. My memory's the worst. Um, For mentor, new teachers, mm-hmm. we did. 
and their nonsense. <laughs> but when I came to Kenosha, so I did two years in Iowa, and then I moved to Kenosha, and because I had not been in Kenosha yet, they counted me as a new teacher again. Which is also nonsense, but whatever. So I had to do the whole new teacher, two years of new teacher training again here. Right. So I was already in my third year teaching, but now they're talking to me about building relationships and classroom management. And my issue with the one here in Kenosha was it was so not specific enough for me. Correct. So I happened to be, oh, because I was working at the elementary at the time. So I was in um, a mentorship group with a bunch of other elementary teachers, but all classroom teachers. And I was not a classroom teacher. And so they're like complaining about how students are getting pulled all the time and missing instruction. And I'm over here like, yeah, I'm the one who's pulling your kids because I also have to do my job. And it requires me to do this. <laughs> but so. like... You know, when they're like, well, what, you know, what kinds of things are you struggling with? And I was like, well, my struggle was building relationships with the teachers I was supposed to be working with. And how do I, you know, have boundaries and still do my job with these classroom teachers who are demanding a lot more of me than what's my job? Right. And they were like, wow, that's a great question. Let me think back on that and get back to you never. <laughs> right. And like, thank you. And my mentor was the other ESL teacher in my building but I always felt that was a little bit too close. Mm, interesting. Because well, like when I was having issues with classroom teachers, she was like, oh, well, I've never had that experience with them. Oh. Interesting. Oh, okay. And when I was like, well, what do I do? And she was like, yeah, I don't know. Got it. But she uh. was like too close because I mean, she had been in the building for so long. Mm. Where I feel like if it had been someone outside the building who could be like, well, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried this? So the one thing that had was really helpful um, was just finding my own mentors. And so, like, the instructional coaches in my building um, have always been a huge support, especially because my job is so much of working with teachers. Yeah. And that's the training the instructional coaches have to do is how to communicate with and work with and kind of underhandedly convince the teachers to do what they're telling them to do but make it the teacher's idea <laughs> that they're really good at that and were able to give me support that my mentor couldn't but it's like so you like talking to people right mm -hmm. like what if you're a new teacher and not afraid but like don't know how to na navigate that how right we, well how do we help you uh, right <clears throat> yeah and I'm like yeah I'm a venter like I'm like let me find my people, and then I need you to just sit, and I'll just tell you. And I'll take feedback. But, yeah, there's teachers. I mean, I had the cooperating, or the student teacher I had. Oh, who God. was <laughs> It was her. She was a first-year teacher, and she was student teaching for her master's, and she was drowning. Right. But every time people asked if she needed help, she said she was fine. Correct. And so it was like, how do we support her? And, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when, yeah, when it's not so comfortable for her to ask help. And even so, like, a couple weeks ago, I don't know, we didn't have uh, internet for a couple periods. A period or two, I think. And so I was running around, because I needed to make copies, but we, without internet, we can't use the systems to make copies. <laughs> Bullcrap. Bull so then I had to figure out, what the flip am I going to do? Um, first period. So I always go to school early, just because I like the calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. So I went to talk to a division chair. I was like, do you have this, this, and this for me? I was like, yeah. So she gave it to me. And there was some other issue going on in the school. And she's like, I don't have time to deal with it because I have four new teachers who have never taught without internet before. <laughs> so I need to mentor them. Yeah. And I was like, 
wow, you're right. Yeah. That's part of your, you know, job as a, a division chair. And I thought about it later that day. I was like, I wonder if the other division chairs thought that was their job too. Mm-hmm. To check in with their new peeps who maybe have never taught without internet before. I was like, did they? Well, I don't understand. Like, I wouldn't have thought of it that the copier machine would be down. Right. And so, of course, I'd be like, oh, then I'll just, like, draw up a worksheet and run it through the copy machine. Like, I would need someone to be like, oh, we have one copy machine that works offline and it's right. in the basement. And it's like, <laughs> like, like, did you check up with your new teachers that way as the person in charge of this division? And I was yeah. like, I wonder if they did or not. And if not, like, again, how are we helping these new teachers in a field that is slowly but surely dying like you have heard so many like so many districts so many states are hurting for teachers and like and what are we doing to help foster them and like grow them up so they stay in this difficult ass profession yeah yeah so I this year I actually this summer did the mentor training so I went through the training to become a mentor oh they actually have that one um and then uh I wasn't assigned anybody (laughs) Mm-hmm. But I'm trained, so if someone comes, a, and the problem is they were trying to keep it within departments, nice. and we didn't have any new ESL mm-hmm. teachers, um, and it's kind of awkward because I'm like, well, I could mentor a math teacher because that's what I'm co-teaching, um, but technically I'm not a math content major, so, um, but I, you know, volunteered, and if you're a mentor, you do get paid, but it's a couple hundred dollars for the year, yeah. Um, and you have to do all the extra, all the after-school meetings with mm-hmm. them. And observations in class and stuff. And write-ups. We um, do, like, journal reflections type situations. Yeah. You're supposed to check in with them 15 minutes a week. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of requirements. But it was very interesting because the training was really focused on helping them meet the Danielson framework expectations. Because <laughs> okay. that's what our district uses. <laughs> okay. Um, but it turned into a conversation of... The fact that once you're out of the mentorship program, like once you've done your two years, years. in that program, mm-hmm. now it's three. We've extended it one year. Oh, interesting. Um, we really never refer to the Danielson framework again or our rubrics again. Observations? Yeah. So we're supposed to. For observations? Yeah. You get you observed. Um, but you only have to get observed once every other year. And for the last... Before your tenure? Yeah. You get, sorry, you have an observation year every other year, and in your observation year, you get three observations. Oh, hell no. What the fuck? Okay, and then, um, because of COVID, we haven't had an observation cycle for the last two or three years. Okay, so move over. Okay, so in our school, if you're an untenable... Wait, it gets better. <laughs> and you're supposed to write goals every year. So not observation related. I'm supposed to write two goals every year. One, like, academic goal for my students uh-huh. and one p- personal professional goal that's not so measurable. So my professional, my my academic goal would be, like, my students increase in reading comprehension. My professional goal would be, like, I'm able to build, you know, two-way relationships with my coworkers or whatever. Um, and then you would kind of track that mid-year and then at the end of the year do a reflection on how you did meeting that goal you submit some data and evidence and your um an admin gives you feedback on it and so ideally those goals would fit within the danielson framework that's what they were talking about at the mentor training in a lot of our buildings the admin gives you what your academic and your professional goals are Mm -mm. 
And so the whole school last year at our school had the same academic goal of, I don't even remember what it was. Because in, in January, the district said we weren't going to be doing them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we had all written, but we, we write our goal as a whole building. And then our admin tells us what to submit as data. And then when they review it at the end of the year, they just sign off that we did it. And so as far as like professional growth and am I getting better as a teacher, no one's actually looking at it. Okay, so as an un... No, like, what the fuck? (laughs) But it's awkward. As a first-year teacher where you're like, oh my gosh, this is so important. We do it all the time. And then you get into, like, past the mentorship phase and you're like, I don't even know what's on my checklist that I'm supposed to be using every year. So as a first... So untenured teacher, right? So you have two... So tenure is after four years. Mm. So your first four years, you are observed almost every... So your first two years, you're observed almost every month except the first and last month. Once. Because your mentor teacher needs to observe you twice, once a semester. Your division chair needs to observe you twice, once a semester. And somebody outside of that. So, like, um, principal, deans, vice principal, uh, assistant principal, whatever the hell. Um, We had a um, learning person. Like, so you get observed once a month. Um... And it's the whole real thing, right? So like, And that's stressful for first-year teachers. Agreed. I mean, remember, we're talking about first-year teaching. To be like, someone you don't really know is going to be in your classroom every month. And what are those observations like? Like, are they, like, official with so, a rubric? So the f- your first one is informal. So that someone just pops in and watches you. And then... But they still give you f- feedback. feedback. Yes. Like, so you could do this, this, and this, and this. Okay. Your second one is more formal. And you schedule that. So you'd be like, I would like you to come this period, this day. The good thing about informals, though, in our district, you can tell them no. So, like, if Brittany's like, hey, I'm going to come into your classroom right now. And I have the right to say, not right now. Can you come back later? And they yeah. have to leave. They can't right. They can't push it. So if the kids are, like, not happy, you can be like, no. No, not today. Mm-hmm. Not today, Satan. Um, <laughs> so you can do that. And then your next one would be like, your mentor, right, would come in and be like, again, just suggestions, like, you could do this, this, and this, and then the next semester, the same deal, right, and then that also in- informs the powers that be whether they keep you that year, the ne- for the next year, and then your second year, same deal. Every month? Yeah. Oh my god. And then after that, after your second year, it's less. It's just DC and some powers that be in the right. district, right, because then after tenure, it's every other year, which now it's going to be every three years because oh, they're changing that now. Um, but I agree. It's very stressful. And if you don't know what you're doing and if, like, if no one, ran, like, runs through what they're looking for beforehand, you fail at observations because no right. one tells you, like, this is your rubric or whatever. This is what you should be doing in a class period. Yeah. This is what they would like to see. And no one had told me, so my first observation did not go well, but I was like... I don't give a fuck. That was when we and he observed me in my heritage speaker class, which I didn't know what I was doing anyway. So I was like, "This is the deal." And I told him, "I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. The other teacher who teaches it is not collaborative. I didn't get this until this. I am drowning." And I straight up told him that. So I was like, "Okay," and yeah. he couldn't help me either because he didn't know the material. Right. Um. And you said, like, your mentor that was supposed to do observations didn't speak Spanish either. No. So you were teaching Spanish, heritage speakers of Spanish 
for students who already speak Spanish, and most of the class is in Spanish. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, then you'd have to come in and observe, and you were like, he doesn't even understand the lesson. Doing. <laughs> right. So I was like, this is pointless. So you can't really I, help me anyways, but whatever. I really appreciated my first year of teaching, my first two years, that the when my mentor came to observe, she would tell me ahead of time, most of the time, what she was looking at, um, but it was never. Like, she never had a checklist or anything. So the one that I remember the most, I think I saved it even, she um, was just looking for teacher-student engagement. And so she drew up um, a diagram of my classroom. And then throughout the lesson, as I called kids by name or, you know, referred to them by name, she would fill in if she knew, like, I had named that kid, Mm. what name she had learned just from me. And then she tracked my movement around the classroom so when we've then reflected on it she just showed me this picture and said you know what do you think about this you get your steps in (laughs) right and like you know you keep coming back to this kid and to the you know to this area of your room like what was going on why and you know it was like that was the year I had the crazy freshmen they all were sitting right next to each other And she was like, you know, does that work for you that they're sitting together? And I was like, it does, because then I can easily check in on all the neediest kids at once. (laughs) Like, yeah. And then I just keep circling back, you know, and then I'd go to the other corner and then come back to them and then go to another and then come back to them. And um, but it was really interesting because it was it always felt very casual. And then when admin came in, my principal was always on his phone or writing emails like he was never very intently watching. And so it kind of felt like. Putting on a show, but it wasn't stressful. Correct, yes. Um, at the high school, I think I might be on... No. I don't know. I Because they've paused it so many times for COVID. I don't yeah. know if I'm supposed to be observed or not. So I haven't been. And they... Our admin doesn't do any informal observations. Not Just formal. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of awkward because we're trying to have conversations with our admin about um, what we need and what our, you know, what our, our needs are for our department. And they have no idea because they're not in there. Um, that's another thing, right? So, like, that makes me angry, right? So, the DCs and admin that be, like, are so far removed from a classroom now. Like, how many years has it been since they've been in a classroom and done the damn thing? Like, years, right? So, like, they come to observe us and can't really actually help me understand what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Well, and then as first-year teachers, you don't know that. And so when they come in to observe you, mm. you just assume that they know what you should be doing. And, and they it, don't. Because right. they also don't know the, like, content. Like, this. They don't know your students. They don't know the content. They don't know... Where your... you pl- place with the other people in your department. Yeah. So it's just awkward, right? Because then, as a new teacher, you're like, okay, I'm going to do everything. It's like, you you can't. You Everything they would like mm. to see in a classroom, you literally cannot do. There is not enough time. There's no. not enough you. And there's too many of them. It's not happening. So let it go. Yeah. And you'll be fine. Yeah. And it's been hard too with COVID and like our numbers dropped. So last year, a lot of the teachers who were on letter, meaning they had to reapply for their jobs, uh-huh. um, their positions were just cut. And so it's hard because they're like, you know, they have to be observed and they have to reapply at the end of the year and they know that the whole year and they still might not be able to stay. I mean, some of them were first year teachers and so it sucks. Um, Okay, when we talk about being a first-year teacher, so mentorship is a huge thing, and I know more districts are trying to do mentor programs and adjusting and making it more valuable for the teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think having someone who you know is being paid to 
help you is helpful. Agreed. Like, like in this your is first your job. Trip, like <laughs> your job is to help me be successful. <laughs> I need you to show up. <laughs> Correct. Um, how do you feel like our college prep program did in preparing us for our first year teaching? Better than I thought so, right? So, like, our school, so we observed for 50 hours, 24 hours. Yeah, we had to do three semesters of in-classroom. Push in something, right? Something. So, first, one semester we had to do 50 observation hours or something. I don't know. Something. Hours of observation. And then we and had... Like, and then, I mean, it wasn't paid. No. But... You needed it for... It was a graduation requirement. Correct. And then the second... Another semester, you needed to teach a class for seven weeks. Yeah. So we called it mini teaching. Mini teaching. But that was amazing because that really prepared you for student teaching. Yeah, because you were, you were pre- like, planning with the teacher. Um, teaching. Teaching. Grading. grading. But it was only one a day. And we were still in a full course load um, of, classes. of classes. But then we could check in. Like, the professors all knew we were doing our Correct. mini teaching. And how's it going? And what do you need? And what was cool then, and then our third semester was full student teaching. Mm-hmm. What was cool about the way our school district did it as well, or our university did it, is they tried to get you for those three semesters into three different schools. Correct. So you, so like elementary, middle, high school, in some variation in those. If, well, that didn't apply to me. For you, yeah. Yeah, and like whatever content area or whatever your your um, licensure was in, like if you had the whole range, like well, you're gonna see all three so that you can decide what school yeah cause environment you like. You don't know until you try. Correct. I ended up only in two schools because they were really short on. I knew I wanted to be in high school, and they were really short on high school mm. um, co-teaching, uh, no, student teaching placements. Um, so I did my observation and my student teaching semesters in the same school. But my mini teaching I did at a private school, and I knew I at a private middle school. And I knew I didn't want to teach middle school, and I knew I didn't want to be in a private school, but I at least could try it and mm-hmm. then say, yep, I was right. I don't <laughs> want yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And it was fun just to work with in a different environment and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think so. My uh, observation was at ELL High School all, exclusively. And then a mini teaching was at a middle school, private school, right? Um, and then high school for student teaching. So mm-hmm. I saw all yeah, and then you, and then it was awesome for trying to get a job where you could mm-hmm. be like, actually, I have experience in like a lot of this because I did all this observation, all this time in school. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things though, I'm just talking about student teaching experience. My student teaching experience was awful, um, and they because they didn't have um, enough teachers who wanted to have student teachers. Um, I was placed with two different teachers in the same building. They both were so close to retirement, did not like their jobs. Mm. Um, and I was trying to do all the things that we'd learned, you know, um, you know, this isn't working, let's try this, you know. And the teachers I was working with were like, no, I just show slides and lecture all day. But I didn't have the respect of the students or the knowledge of the content. or Like, I was like, that's not going to work. And it's not my style. And also you started in December, right? Student yeah. teaching. So I started student teaching when the school year started. Oh. So I I was in there when the, so when they met the teacher. They met me too. That's nice. So we were together from the very beginning. So it wasn't like you were just added on. Well, yes. Um, and then when I talked to my professors about it and was like, 
this isn't going well. And he was like, I'm so sorry, we can't put you anywhere else. Correct, yes. Um, what was nice about it is that I knew I wasn't going to fail because um, our cooperating teachers didn't have the power to fail us. Um even though they thought they did. Mm-hmm. And so, because I was constantly talking to my professor about my experience, when they inevitably scored me, you know, less than average and never wrote me any letters of recommendation, my professor already knew that, expected that. Um, I also got to try a lot of different things because my kids were, the students were so horrible and I had such a lack of support from my cooperating teachers. So even coming out of student teaching, I was like, oh yeah, that worked well because of this. This didn't work so well. And just kind of, and what felt more like me. I think one of the things when you don't have a lot of teaching experience going into for your first year is that you don't know what your teaching style is. Especially because if you're just, if your only teaching experience is being a cooperating teacher or a student teacher. You're kind of doing what your teacher teacher does. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you want to take, you're taking over their class. And that was a conversation we, that professors said all the time. Like, you're, you're a guest in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like part of the struggle with your first year teaching is, you know, hopefully you're in a school where you have support and you have a curriculum. But then they're like, I mean, teach it however you want. And you're like, I don't, I don't know. know what that means. <laughs> Correct. I was like, that means nothing to me. And also, like, so something I remember, so during COVID, right, we went home and then the next year we were all virtual, right? And so I had an older teacher who didn't know what that looked like. Like, mm. how do I teach online? And he asked our DC and he's like, he obviously doesn't know, right? Because he's, again, so far removed from the school, from the from the classroom. From the classroom. So then another teacher modeled how she would do Zoom teaching. Yeah. And like all of us were the students and she yeah. she modeled how she would do it, what her how long her activities, like what she planned to do. And that kind of like set what we would do as yeah. like later on. So like imagine if as a new teacher you had that as like di- not just one person but different people like this is how I start my first week. Right. This day I we just play games. Yeah. This day, we do whatever. We don't do rules and new seats until this day because of this X, Y, Z. And, like, imagine as a new teacher, you got different ideas that way. Yeah. So you could figure out how to do the first week, first two weeks of school. Because you don't know. Like, you've never done it before. Yeah. Especially, like, for me, I started student teaching in January. So I I had never done the start of the school year with students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think... um, As far as next steps, so in general, I feel like our program did it really well. Mm -hmm. So preparing for teaching, we got a lot of experience. Yeah, our university experience, yeah. Yeah, in university. I think um, in every program, there's class, I mean, by the time we graduated, we were able to name our teaching philosophy off the top of our head because Mm -hmm. we had to rewrite it in every class. Yeah. Even getting my master's, I had to do a paper about my teaching (laughs) philosophy, and I just copied my undergrad one. Um, I think, too, um, as far as um, a teacher prep program, what was I going to say? Our teaching philosophy, we got to do extra experience and time in the classroom, which I think really helped, Um, especially some of our classmates. I mean, we had one classmate, like, after mini-teaching, realized, like, he really didn't like being in a classroom. But then had to stick it out because he was so far in it. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas, like, I 
you know, had been babysitting all through high school. I had been tutoring some kids in high school. Like, I knew I liked it because mm-hmm. I had been doing it already. Um, so, a teacher prep program, though, I mean, there's a lot of times where it's hard to apply stuff unless you're in the classroom. Right, yeah. I think that's what's the hardest about it, is, like, when we talk about what does it mean to make accommodations as a sophomore in college... We well, have no idea, because we... What the hell does that mean? Right, unless you have real-life case um, studies to do, mm-hmm. and even those feel very removed. Right. And I went to a private high school, which was mostly white, entirely English-speaking, and not even hardly any special ed students. So talking about making accommodations for ESL students and special ed students that I had never had experience with, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, I'll just copy what's in my textbook. <laughs> And so then doing my first year teaching and being like, oh, these are real people. Right, yes. (laughs) And also, those accommodations take a lot of work where you're like, oh, I'll just give them a whole different activity. And now I'm like, absolutely not. (laughs) Right, yes. And even having, like, time to plan out the accommodations for everybody in your classroom, even then, like, you don't know until you're in it. Yeah. And so that's one thing I think, like, when we think about reimagining your first year teaching, um... One of my wishes, like, big picture, is I wish we gave first-year teachers a smaller course load. Yes. Um, Four classes and a, a one period where they got to figure everything out. Right. Um, yeah, like, one, you know, multiple preps where, you know, I have one prep to do my stuff, and I have one prep where I can go observe what another teacher is doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm having a really hard time with this kid. Can I come sit with them in a class they like and get to know the kid better? You know, mm-hmm. um, because that was such a blessing for me my first year teaching that I had the whole first two months of school. To figure it out. Where I didn't have a job in the morning. A guy showed up, but I didn't have a class in the morning. Where I got to learn how to do the paperwork. I got to get to know students. I was able to observe some of the ESL classes Mm -hmm. so that I knew how my class would run. Um, And then even coming as um, my first year here as an elementary teacher or in the elementary, like we purposely split our caseload. So I only worked in three grade levels instead of the whole school. So I didn't have to get to know all of the curriculum across the like. We split it up so it's still a little manageable. But I know a lot of times, I mean, my first year teaching, they had me split between two buildings. Yeah. Um, and so I was learning the high school curriculum and the elementary ESL curriculum at the same time. And a lot of times we give our new teachers the classes the veteran teachers don't want to teach. Right. So, the, yeah. So, like, a new teacher, you get freshmen and sophomores, right? And what? They're, they're new to high school. You're new to this. And it really should be the opposite, right? As a new teacher, you just get... Juniors and seniors. Right. But that's, like, a upper level, so then the veteran teachers get those jobs. Right. Or those classes. And I was like, well, no. Like, build them up to, you know, relationships, to, like, yeah. classroom management, because they don't know. Right. So, I was like, oh. Yeah, last year, it was my first year at the high school, and they gave me a freshman advisory. So, the first week of school, we're supposed to get to know the students and help them get acclimated to the building. And I was like, I don't know either. I just got here. Right. <laughs> like, you know, how do you get to the gym? And I was like, bro, yeah, I have no, no clue. I, no idea. Like, when do we get our lockers? I didn't even know you got lockers. Like, <laughs> Right. So, yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, that's something that has to be really intentional. And it's hard because we're in such a 
huge teacher shortage. Yes. That's it's hard to I mean you can't give any teacher a smaller Lo- course load. Right. And then it's like as first year teachers, a lot of people tend to take on too much. So if you give them an extra prep, well, yes. now they're running the department. <laughs> like, but even to like even being intentional is like, okay, let's give you cap your classes at twenty five kids. Mm. Right? So like making sure that you don't have thirty bodies or giving you all the same sections like my the high school I taught my first high school I was at they gave me three sections of the same class so that I only had to like plan for that Mm -hmm. class I didn't have to plan for four different things every day or even so like one of my friends she had taught freshmen all day every day so like maybe three classes of freshmen and two of sophomores so she sees some variation every day so she's not going crazy and Babysitting, yeah. not babysitting, but, like, dealing with freshmen all day. Yeah. So. So that's my, like, big picture, I think. Having college students in the classroom more. I think having mentorship programs that, like. Actually mentor. <laughs> actually mentor and have the time to mentor you. Correct. And giving first-year teachers a smaller workload so they can just be, try to figure out what, they're, what they are as a mm-hmm. teacher. Um, I mean, that's all big picture. What are your, some of, like, your top tips for new teachers? Um, so something that I didn't do until, like, I don't even know when. But, so, we had a new teacher who is a biology teacher who is, was BIPOC. And she intentionally, like, formed a group with all of other BIPOC people. And because of that, we got, like, a nice sense of community within our school and, like, hung out outside of school and, like, had relationships outside of that, but where we could vent if we wanted to or, like, get ideas from or whatever the heck. And I thought that was, that's really awesome and beneficial to anybody, right, to, like, form a community of help, right? Um, But she was very intentional about that. And so, like, making sure that your new teachers have a group that can One, as a new teacher, um, as difficult as it is, find a way to get help. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I don't mind, like, knocking on people's offices, doors, and being like, I need you right now, but, you know, shoot an email. Hey, do you have time to meet sometime this week? Correct. Can yes. you come check in with me? Yes. Anything where, like, you are allowed to seek out help. Correct. And if someone's not giving you it, find someone else. Correct. So, or tell on them. Be like, uh. So, as an ESL teacher, my job is not to mentor the classroom teachers I was working with at the high school, but I was in their room every day, so I was the most readily available a lot of the times mm-hmm. to help them. Especially, like, start of the day. Everyone, you know, our school's crazy at the start of the day, and I didn't have a classroom. So, yeah, I'll come to the start of the day with you so you can get used to how, you know, picking up breakfast works and all that. Um, Yeah, so I think seeking out help. One of the things for me as a first, what am I now, a seventh-year teacher, is I see a lot of first-year teachers. We talk about, like, the Instagram, cute classroom stuff. I have not had the same system for grading, collecting papers, and lesson planning, I have not had the same system from year to year. Me neither. I still don't have the same room, so that's impossible. Because my classes have changed, my room has changed, yes. my schedule has changed, my, um, you know, for a couple of years I was able to get all of my grading done at the building. I never had to take it home. This year I have to take home stuff every weekend because I, yeah. I have a bigger... So, but, like, committing so much to one system of grading and organization is really hard because then when you realize it's not working, it feels like, 
you know, I spent 80 bucks on my color-coded stuff, and now none of it's working. I'm not actually using it. So for me as a first-year teacher, like, I came in with binders and an expand file and, like, a cup holder for my desk. And then from there was like, oh, let me try using the binder this way. That didn't work. Like, I had all these parent communication papers printed. I never used them. I never think to stop and pull paper out. Like, for me personally, stuff has to be virtual, so I have access to it all the time. Like, let me, you know, I'm going to have all of my separate classes in my expanded file, and then I forget my expanded file. Or the high school I taught at, the first school I taught at, we were, the year I started, we were one-to-one devices. So I had an expanded file, but we never did anything on paper. Paper, Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um... But I never invested money or time into elaborate systems. And now I'm really grateful because I've never used it. Right. So this year, um, I'm doing a lot of paper because I'm tired of kids not having their Chromebooks charged or they're not doing their work they're supposed to be or blah, 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 or they're doing others. So we're doing a lot of paper this year. And so I was like, well, I need some way for them to turn in papers that's organized. And I was going to get one of those big, like, three foot by five foot paper, you know, you mm. label everything, and I'm, like, with kids dropping and kids adding, and those are very expensive. They're, like, 60, 70 bucks. So instead, I have the milk cart with the, <laughs> the file folders nice, in nice, it, nice. and every kid put their name on a manila folder, and that's where they put their papers, and then I pick up all the folders on Friday, rubber band them, and bring them home to grade. Nice. And, um... If I get new kids, I just put a new middle folder with their name. If kids leave, I just white out their name and use it for someone else. And there's not... I mean, so really, like, I think it's hard as a first-year teacher because you see all this wonderful, beautiful stuff that you want to use, but you don't know what works for you until you know. Correct, yes. And it might be different from year to year. Correct. It should be, right? It should be. you have new peeps. Yeah, because you have new students every year and you have new... You know, your um, priorities change and your curriculum might change. And so I think being flexible and being willing to not know what you're going to do yet is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, for me, one of the things that's been the most helpful that I have done since the beginning is I always have slides. Correct, yes. And my lesson plans, no matter how the district asks for them, I first make slides and have my agenda virtually because, like I said, I can edit it anywhere. I can find it any time. And I, so I have running slides per unit, right? So then I just link everything in. So, like, today we listen to whatever. So we listen to this one poem, right? So I link the poem in there. I link everything in there. So everything's in the running slides. So then next year, mm-hmm. if you have the same unit again, all, all your materials are linked already. Correct, yes. So that's the thing, too, is, like, as much as you can... Not make extra work for yourself, but if you can set yourself up so that if you do this again, like my running slides are, you know, we do a journal. So I just use the same template every day and change the journal prompt. And I have my writing expectations in the corner and those don't change. And then I have our agenda and our agenda every day starts with a journal and then I write what activities and then move on. Um, So it didn't work so well. I didn't do that when I taught elementary because I didn't have a smart board in my tiny office that I was doing small groups in. Um, but finding what works for what you're doing and Mm -hmm. having it where, you know, I always had at the elementary, I didn't have a smart board, but I printed stuff, but it was the same paper every week (laughs) and like not changing it. We know how to, how to use this organization and template. So that's what we do. Um, 
And if you don't know or you don't have ideas, ask teachers. Correct. Yes. Yeah. The math teacher I'm working with, when he was his first year last year, he was like, yeah, I didn't make any of these slides. He's like, I got all these from the other math teacher. And sometimes he would be like, wow, I really hated that. And he made a note. So this year it's been fun because he's actually editing and, making, editing and yes. doing it. But as a first year teacher who he had never worked in a school like ours, we have a huge minority population, an ESL population, and he was... He's from up north, which is, you know, not very many minorities, mm. very affluent. And so just the, like, you know. Culture shock. Culture shock. He was like, I don't even know what they don't know or what I have to adjust. So I'm just going to do what was handed to me. And go from there. And we'll see from and there. And even that is, you know, like your first year. It's okay to do what other people are doing because you don't know. And I felt so defeated my first year. I was like, I feel like I'm failing these kids because mm. I don't know what I'm doing. And... Like, no one can really help me. Um, so then I just felt like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, and these kids are, you know, failing because of me. Or I felt that way. But no, you are doing fine. Like, this is your first year doing a very difficult job. Yeah, and there's no one teacher that's going to ruin a student's academic Correct. career. no. The one teacher they have for one period of you're, one year of their doing career... Fine. We'll be fine. Correct. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's hard. There's a lot of expectation of, like, I don't think I'm doing it right. It's like, you're probably not, and that's okay. Correct. Yep. They won't remember anyways. It's fine. Right. Even <laughs> now, I was telling my husband, I have so much work to do this weekend. Me too. Because we have... And the denial. It's fine. <laughs> our curriculum this year is new. Oh, shit. And so... And it Ours didn't... Too. I mean, all of mine. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like a first-year teacher again. That's what I said at the beginning. Like, so my first-year teacher sucked, and then I have all new preps. I mean, they're not. One of them is new, is the same class, just re redone. But it's new to, like, some of yeah. the stuff is new to me. So I was like, I feel like a first-year teacher all over again. And I was like, I just like going home, taking a small nap, eating, and then working on my computer and my slides, what I'm doing the next day. Yeah, I'm literally, next week. <laughs> I'm literally getting my slides done the period before I teach shit. Mm. Um, I realized that we're at the end of the unit, and they're supposed to have a formative project, a test, and a summative project all oh, in the God. next week. And I have no rubrics written. Oh, gosh. Ooh. And then I was looking. I assume the curriculum came with rubrics. No. Oh, great. And so, like, I have to make all this stuff. And, and I told the students... Rubrics, rubrics to them. <laughs> I told the students yesterday, I'm like, you're doing your journal for the first 10 minutes, and I need you to, like, do that independently so I can get the rest of this class period done for you. <laughs> like, I was, like, literally doing it as the kids were there. Um... But, like, also, it's okay to, to do that. Correct, yeah. I think the other thing, though, that we talked a lot about is to have boundaries of, like, you don't have to do all of it all the time. No, you don't. And even, like, even grading and, like, phone calls, like, the district will have certain expectations of you, right? So, like, for some reason, our district thinks that we don't communicate with parents enough, which is probably fair and true because that's scary as a new teacher or even as a non-new teacher, right? But, like, talking to somebody else's guardian is difficult right because you see them more than they do honest mm -hmm. to god right so then calling that and it's like that's fair but also i don't have enough time to plan grade and talk to somebody's mother about why they're failing my class i don't have enough time in in the school day and i'm sorry if i can't stay after school and call somebody for you right now so if you can't get get it done in the school year in the school day that's fine that is perfectly all right and you don't have to kill yourself to make the powers that be happy, right? right? Like you or tell them, like, 
Yeah, I'm just really struggling with time. Where would you like me to fit that in? I straight up said that in one of my department meetings last year. Cause last and they didn't have an answer, did they? They're like, would you like me to call? I was like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. They, that didn't happen just because there were so many of us. It was like, like I, so <laughs> that on Friday we had an extra 45 minutes off because we had conferences on Thursday. And I spent that 45 minutes making phone calls. And half of them were in Spanish. And ha- like more than half of my school can't speak Spanish to the kids, to the parents. So I was like, what would you like me to do? <laughs> like, I don't have the time. Yeah, that's true in our school too, because most, I teach ESL. So most of my students speak Spanish. I will not make phone calls in Spanish because I'm, I can't speak enough Spanish. Right. <laughs> as soon as they ask me a question, I'm like, like what? No comprende. Right. Um, so for me as a, as a first year teacher, but even now, I... Um, regardless of the district's recommendation, use Google Voice, um, to text parents. Email, too. It's like, you want me to call, like, so I can just do a mass email to five kids, right, or parents, right, like, right away. Granted, like, they don't check email. Granted, phone is the most accessible for them, but it's just, like, it takes too much time. Yeah. But it's also hard, because, like, okay, I'll call a parent, and I'm like, hey, so, students aren't doing great, you know. They've been really disrespectful in class about their cell phone. Okay, well, I'll talk to the kid. And then nothing happens. So then I have to call again. Yeah. Or they'll be like, oh, well, he's supposed to get a break. You know, he has a really hard time focusing. And I have to be like, well, let me get back to you. So then I have to call again to get, like, whereas if it's a text, I'll be like, yeah, I'll get back to you later. And then I can just text them an update (laughs) while I'm sitting in class. So for me, even though some of the districts are like, you know, don't use this program, don't use that program, blah, 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 like... If the goal is communication with parents, I'm going to do it in the way that works for me. We did, so during COVID, we did remind, and our school overused it on bullshit things. Like, Oh, yeah, I used that too. That it burned, like, we stopped using that. And I was like, that's great, though, because, like, if kids or even parents had whatever, they could, like, send me a text really quickly. But they're like, they don't want us to use it anymore. I was like, great, we're doing great. Everything's fine. Yeah, so I really enjoyed doing that. Um, But I still don't, I mean... It's different at the high school. Not really, though. I mean, at the, both the high school and the elementary, like, the kid had a great day. I would, I have, like, the dollar store pack of, like, blank, did an awesome job today for blank. And I, like, give those to elementary and high school students and be like, thanks so much for participating, you know, for speaking for your group or thanks for whatever. And, like, the kids are so excited, no matter the age. Yeah. And I'm like, and make sure you show your parents that, like... You know, it can be something like that where I don't have to call the parent. Right. Um, That's another thing, too. So I made a whole bunch of bad phone calls on Friday. I need to schedule some time to do good phone calls. Like, this noodle is always, you know, whatever the hell. Yeah. But, yeah, so my goal is um, I'm hoping to text parents um, and do that. But I think as a first-year teacher, like, if someone's willing to – it's also hard because you don't have a relationship with students yet. So a lot of times, like, I was struggling with kid, the older kids I had because I don't know them. Right. And they don't know me. Right. And I could talk to my coworkers, and they would have a conversation for me. Like, hey, you know, she's really struggling. She's really trying. Like, can right. you? And that helped, too. So finding my coworkers who could help me with the students. Um, I'm trying to think. Other advice for first-year teachers. I think it's just 
They like it sucks because the first couple years suck. It really does, and like I feel like what? So when we went to teacher school, they said what? In five years, half of you won't be teachers anymore. Yeah, and that was pre-COVID. Correct. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I feel like now it's like, (laughs) what is it? One of you will still be teachers. Right, one of five of you. (laughs) One of five, five, five of you will still be Uh, teachers. Um, and it just sucks all around. And like I don't know what the answer is. Um, well, I think I mean we talked about did an episode about burnout um and I think that's a huge piece is Mm -hmm. you know first year teaching it feels like you have to do everything all the time and a lot of times and we were so excited to be teachers correct it was like oh my gosh finally I get to do this right but also I like can't do this all the time correct and so thankfully for me like I was in a new city there was my best I moved with my best friend and she was in grad school so we went out with her grad school friends all the time. So we were still going out on the weekends and doing game nights. And, like, I have a life outside of teaching, teaching and grading mm-hmm. and planning. I very – I'm trying to think. I still – I've never volunteered for an after-school club. I, I have, but, uh, but I don't go to games or anything like that. It's, like, mostly because I dislike sports. Sorry, not sorry. No, but, like, the <laughs> game starts at 7, and I'm in bed at 7.30. Correct, so, yeah. no. Like, I did soccer games. Um, but I never, like, I don't commit my time to that kind of stuff because I know I'm going to be exhausted and I can't, like, mm-hmm. it's not sustainable for me. And I did get, I got some hits on my observation. Because you don't, community, whatever Because I'm not invested in the school yeah. community. And I'm like, I'm fully invested when I'm here. Correct. I just don't want to be here extra. Correct, yes. Especially because some of that stuff's not, I mean, if you're in a club, it's not necessarily paid. And I have mm. to supervise these kids longer. Like, right. no. Yeah. Um, and it might change as I get older and feel like I, you know, I can, I have less work because I know what I'm doing, but I literally my seventh year teaching now, I still have never done an after school club. <laughs> I don't coach. I don't, you know, outside of my, my husband says I do a lot outside my job, but once I'm home, I'm pretty much Focusing done. At home, yeah. yeah. And that's another thing too. So a lot of my friends are in the Navy, right? So something they do to like get out of that headspace is like so they don't wear the uniform to ship whatever the hell so they change there and then when they leave it they take it off before they leave it right oh so, so they're very intentional about what they bring home and what they don't right or like yeah. whatever right so it's like doing that as teachers too right so like yeah. being intentional about what you bring in and out of the school building yeah so it, it doesn't follow you home and when I do work at home when I first started teaching, I had a roommate, so I would, like, do all my grading and stuff just in bed, and I stopped doing that, because then it was, like, you know, every time I roll over, I have a stack of papers to grade next to me, and I was like, nope, we only do it on the kitchen table or in the living room. And then even, like, so after a couple years, I'd be like, okay, Starbucks dates, let's go. So, like, it literally doesn't come in the house. Right, we do it at Starbucks with the peeps, and then we take it home and don't touch it until school, right? Or, like, I have a friend who gets to school at 6 a.m. every morning. School doesn't start until 7.50. But yeah. she does her work then. Like, before school starts, yeah. she gets it ready to go for whenever the hell. Um, so she does not take school work home. Yeah. So even that is, like, can be kind of tricky if you live far, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I did. My first year teaching, I found that staying after until 5 worked better. Is not helpful. I'm well, sorry. No, no, it worked better for me, though, than taking okay. it home. But don't do that if you don't want to. Like, <laughs> if you like, if you need to, like, peel out at three, do it. You yeah, know? but for me, I was like, oh, I'll just do this at home tonight. 
And then it would take me five hours to get it done at home, or I could just stay an extra mm. hour at work and If you need it the out. vibes of the school, yeah. I feel you. So I think, yeah, finding some boundary of I'm still a person. Um, Outside of your teaching profession. Because you are not your job. And it, anyone who says, like, I hate when admins, like, do it for the kids. That is some bullshit <laughs> that they just want you to do more work for less money, and they will guilt trip you into doing it. Yeah. Don't believe it. You... Like, yes, you are a teacher, but that is not your whole essence of being, right? Yeah. Like, you are other things besides that. And you don't have to do everything just to please the powers that be. You yeah. feel me? Like, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. And you're still awesome. Yeah. And then I think as as veteran teachers, are we veterans now? I are we the so. old people? I mean, I'm tenured, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am too. I, well, we don't have tenure so in our state. I can but. say all the shit I um, want to. No, but as, Hire me. as veteran teachers, I think knowing the value of reaching out to new teachers and yes. supporting them and checking in on them, not just when they come for help, but being like, are you hey, okay? are you okay? Do you need assistance? Um, I have a pad of sticky notes that's like um, a super silly, like, here, I don't know, a pick-me-up or something, like fill in the blank. And so even like just when I see that they're struggling to fill that out and like have a kid drop it off for me, um... To know that, like, someone is, is, you know, concerned and helping. I think, too, thinking about, like, we are both not like this, but some teachers get really stingy about, like, I made all, took all the time to create stuff. So I'm not going to share so shit with you. Share and I'm like, why? We're doing the same thing and we can collaborate. Like, yeah, I, think I as, can help you do I think your job. I teachers knowing that we can also learn from new teachers. Correct, yes. And, and you know... It's one thing, like, to be like, here's what I do and you should do it the same. Like, well, no, they may have some ideas and some suggestions or just a different personality where you can be like, oh, I would never have done that activity with my students. But it'd be kind of fun to be like, this is new for me, too. Um, I think with COVID, that actually helped collaboration a lot because the new teachers were the ones who knew how to do technology mm-hmm. <laughs> and were able to be like, yes, let me show you how to use Whatever. Skype. and mm-hmm. But... But I think moving forward, you know, being willing to collaborate with and work with students who are coming out of college and have that knowledge and experience of, you know, here's how I would do things. And it might be different, but that's okay sometimes to try different stuff. This year, I'm trying to do brain breaks with my students. Nice. And it's really awkward for me because, like, for the students to buy in, I have to be, like, super high energy Mm. and, like, in it. And so I've kind of already been like, I don't know if it's worth it. But the people that I talk to that do it and love it, like, it has a lot of value. And so it's being willing to try new things and learn from other people um, in addition to supporting them, even if it's not your paid job to help them. Yeah. Because eventually, I mean, even on a practical level, as teachers leave the field, our job becomes more difficult. Correct, yeah. So even for just helping teachers stay in the profession or even in the district so like our district is now becoming high turnover granted we've always been but like as the years progress it's going to become worse because all of our like ogs are going to retire so it's like how do we keep the same teachers in the district so we don't have to do this again and again and again forever and ever and ever and some more work on right now other teachers right yeah so i think if you support teachers up front then yes you not only get to build a relationship and learn from them, but you get a coworker who knows what they're doing and is competent Correct, instead yes. of this turnover all the time. Correct. Yes, agreed. So, um, well, thank you 
happy first school year podcast episode. Yes. Um, We're not tired. We promise. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I'm exhausted. It's fine. <laughs> and it's not October yet. Um, we, well, this episode will come out in October. Um, we're so excited, though, about the opportunity to talk with other teachers and share kind of, how, you know, how we would reimagine things. So if you're a first-year teacher, um, feel free to reach out if you need support or an encouragement. Um, Edith has always been my yes man, and so <laughs> if you're like, should I leave stuff at home yes. and not grade, yes. the answer is the yes. answer is yes. Should if I... You- Get Should the, I just grade for completion? The answer is yes. yes. If you need Starbucks, the answer is yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, reach out. Um, I'm on Instagram at reimagine.teaching, not.com. Um, <laughs> nailed the intro, fudging the end of it. Um, but for people who are not new teachers, even the, at this point in the year, as first year teachers are like, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, reach out to them. We have, um, you know, finals come up sooner than we think, or just say, you know, how are things now that you have a flow? How is your classroom management? How mm-hmm. is your lessons going? My lessons this year, cause I have new curriculum are ending really early. And so that's something that now mm-hmm. I have to figure out, like, what do I do with extra time? Pacing. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have those conversations, be willing to work with your coworkers. And in general, um, just keep doing the awesome job you guys are doing of showing up and teaching. Every day. Or most days. Most days. With coffee. <laughs> That's going to be our new slogan. I love yes. it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.